I love to be worried for Alphabuzz. Like, I really <laughs> love to. <laughs> it's so exciting. Not worried, but like. On the edge of my seat. Yeah. On the edge of your seat. Excited. Like, yeah, right. feel like it's like, ah, oh, that was just like exhilarating. My name's Quincy. My name's Kevin. And this is Sentimental Men. But keep your thumb away from that skip button. We're here to talk. And maybe scream. About our favorite women in musical theater. Good morning, Kevin. Good afternoon, Quincy. I will say this is definitely highlighting the time difference between you and I. (laughs) Mm -hmm. For those of you who don't know, I am in New York City. Quincy is in Hawaii. Well, Quincy, how are you? Despite the fact that it is morning. I'm good. Have you watched The Boys in the Band yet on Netflix? I have not watched it yet because I need to be in a headspace. For that. I mean, when I saw that on, did you see it on Broadway? No. So this was literally my first introduction to it. Okay. When I saw it on Broadway, I wept about two thirds of the show. Uh-huh. and didn't stop crying until I was like in my apartment and I live all the way the fuck uptown so that was like a, an additional 45 minutes of yeah. just like crying yeah I like really didn't know what to expect because I knew that historic gay play and everything and I knew that it made a splash when it was on Broadway I never got around to seeing it I don't know why but I was excited to watch the movie because I knew it was such a moment and it truly Kevin <laughs> <laughs> It was, first of all, it's so good. It's a, it's so good. I feel like I kind of need someone to sit me down and like talk me through it because there's a lot I think that could be unpacked that I just haven't really mm-hmm. fully done yet. Yeah. Um, but highly recommend. If, by the time you're listening to this, if you haven't watched it yet, you are severely behind the curve. Oh my God, Quincy, this episode's going to be the first episode after the election. <laughs> Dear future me, I hope you're okay. <laughs> We'll be okay, hopefully. We'll be okay. But yeah, so today, guys, I am personally very, very excited for this guest. Me too. This is one of my favorite, Alphabet's favorite performers. Mm-hmm. So the guest today is Caroline Bowman. Woo, Caroline Bowman! Who has not only played Alphabet on Broadway, but was in the original Broadway cast of Kinky Boots, mm-hmm. toured as Ava Peron in Evita. Uh-huh. Also has toured the country as Elsa in Frozen the Musical. And Spamalot, right? Spamalot. I think Spamalot was pre-everything. Spamalot was like... Pre-everything. Was she the Lady of the Lake? Lady of the Lake and Spamalot. Ugh. I mean, talk about... Talk about Chords of Steel. Chords of Steel, baby. So yeah, we have Caroline Bowman coming in in a few minutes. I can't wait. Quincy, I'm very excited personally for you for this one because... (laughs) As soon as we started talking about this podcast, like the first name out of your mouth was Caroline Bowman. So I know. I I'm very excited for you. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. But Kevin, before we get into Ms. Bowman, let's get into Ms. Block. <laughs> ah, what a smooth transition, Quincy. Okay, so I don't know if this is cheating because I found and sent this stuck on SJB to you this very morning. That I we was going to say, I had a few... <laughs> So there is this Instagram account, which if you don't know it, I go give it a follow. It is called Rare Musical Moments. And it is essentially just an account that posts one minute clips of some rare, some just like forgotten. Yeah. But today, this morning, they posted one minute of Stephanie J. Block singing You Don't Know This Man from Parade. 
And let me tell you, I love Carolee Carmelo. Sure. And I think like, Quincy, you understand when I say Carolee Carmelo is like my exact breed of Broadway diva. You know what I mean? She's mm-hmm. like, so that song has high expectations for me. And Stephanie J. Block does not disappoint because we get to hear her soprano, which is a lovely soprano. We get to hear her her belt, which is a lovely belt. But most importantly, that song sits at her break. So the ease with which she is like, dipping below her break and then floating back up above it. That was the most impressive thing to me. It's very vocally impressive. And that song, if I can get a little musical theater technique-y for a minute, Mm -hmm. goes back and forth between being in major and minor, like essentially every two measures. Oh, look at you. To hear her navigating her break along with the change from major to minor is exquisite true and there she there was such a gravitas to the performance that was the first thing i watched when i woke up this morning by the way i looked at my phone and i checked that dm i'm glad what shook me is how expertly she navigated because it's not an easy thing for her Mm -mm. but she navigates it expertly and that i think is extremely impressive 100%. I also love the choice, which like maybe it's a choice out of necessity. Maybe it's a choice out of frivolity. I don't know. But the lyric, he is a decent man. He is an honest man. She Mm -hmm. just like yells the word honest. Like there's not a note value attached to it. And then straight back into the belt. There's not a note value attached to it, but there is definitely an emotional value attached to it. So that's my stuck on SJB. It came into my life at the perfect time today. And I'm happy we could plug that account because I think that's a really fun and interesting. And they have a, they have a good Wicked clip once in a while, too. So They do, yeah. It is topical for this. It's educational. And I think in this time of no theater, bootlegs are okay. Yeah, listen, I... <laughs> I know. I hate that, first of all, this is a divisive topic to talk about. <laughs> I do, too. I understand people who are like... Bootlegs take money away from the show. Sure. Anybody who is resorting to bootlegs wasn't buying a ticket to the show anyway. Yeah, I agree. Fucking 16-year-old in their parents' basement is not like trying to close Frozen. Exactly. I actually think it's like the opposite. I Even before I saw Wicked for the first time when it finally came to Hawaii on tour, I'd already memorized the show and I saw it on tour six times because I was so obsessed with all the bootlegs and because I had known the show so well. Yeah. So I don't know. I... It's a tricky thing to discuss, but I think... I think there is a fine line between being protective of your work and mm-hmm. being like pious about the fact that, yeah. that some people can't afford to come see you work. What I do think will be interesting is Diana getting filmed for Netflix, because maybe it'll tap into an audience. Then I think that'll be interesting and people will be more willing to maybe film their shit and put it out there. I'll be interested to compare the Hamilton Disney Plus recording with this Diana recording. I'm very excited for Diana. Someone described it to me as a cross between Ghost and Evita, and that is my exact niche. I mean, listen, I am the exact target for that show in a different way, because you could literally tell me that a member of the royal family was going to read the phone book, and I would, like, log in to watch it. That's interesting. It's, like, very white of me, uh, but I just, like, I love the royal family so much because they fascinate me. Yeah, well, no, my mom is, like, 
like that too. Like she's obsessed. She knows all the tea. She would watch all the weddings and stuff. I'm going to hang out with your mom. <laughs> like I truly, it never was a thing. In, but then I've had friends who have like, no, the royal family is like a big deal. So we'll see. I'm very excited. And I love former Glinda, Gina DeWall. Yeah, it's a good cast. I'm obsessed with a guy playing. Yeah, 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 that guy. <laughs> Caroline Bowman, welcome to Sentimental Men. We are so excited that you're here. Thank you for having me. Okay, I, I know how I want to start this. Avita, Elphaba, and Elsa. Oh my. <laughs> it's Elsa Vitaba. Elsa Vitaba. The three power E's. Of the three, which would you say is the most vocally difficult? Oh my gosh, Elphaba. Really? Elphaba, hands down. Even more than Avita. Yes, honey, because Avita is two hours in and out. 50 minute act one, 50 minute act two. You're done. You're at the bar by 930. Of course, I never went to the bar because I was on vocal rest all the time. <laughs> that is the clincher right there. It's like, it's so much shorter. With Elphaba, it's nonstop for almost three hours. And you get no alone time being Elphaba. People are on top of you at all times fixing your makeup. And you're you're never alone to like breathe, except that like, maybe for like five minutes before you enter. But then, you know, intermission, they're all in there doing your contour because you're becoming act too fierce, Elphaba. Like, yeah, yeah. Is there something to be said too? Like, Avita kind of feels like you're constantly singing once you go and Elphaba feels like you stop and then another big number and then you have downtime and then another big number? Yeah, yeah. It's like kind of like you never lose your momentum, I guess, with Avita is a way to look at it. Also... It is a big sing, but I found a lot of different like colors to play with Evita. And like, there's a lot of like scenes where you're like speak singing yeah. and stuff. It's just a different, they're just totally different roles. Uh-huh. Notoriously, um, Evita is known for doing six a week, which I have no idea why Elphabud ever does eight. I have no sure. idea. And I'm not afraid to say it now. I feel like, yeah. no, no, Elphabud should be doing six a week. 100%. No person should be asked to do that eight times a week. Some people can, and the props to them, but I know. If Christine dies getting an alternate, I think Elphaba should have an alternate. 100%. Like, there's just no... And she's got a standby, and like, yes, normally the standby goes on at least once a week, if not twice a week. But like, it should... Just the pressure of not having those extra two was like everything. And so I think because I only knew I had to do my six shows, I rarely called out. I did my six. But by the sixth show for Evita, I was done. Like I couldn't do a seventh or an eighth. Like I, I, what do they call it? Like I, I blew my wad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So I want to go back to talk about when Wicked first entered your life as a person. I kind of feel like I've been on this journey with you because I remember seeing that YouTube video that I think your mother posted when you got the call that you booked Broadway Understudy. And that's when when you YouTube Caroline Bowman, that's when it was still like a baseball player or something like you weren't even coming up yet, you know. And so it's just been really cool to see you grow in your career. Oh, thank you. So that is an incredible video, but I'll go. Uh, we'll get to that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Wicked entered my life when it entered all of our lives in 2003. And I got the I remember getting the Wicked album for Christmas, the CD, the actual mm-hmm. CD. And I would always get my Broadway albums and like open them up and I would look through all the pictures in the in the little like picture book. And so I remember on that specific Christmas, I have like the image of me laying on the floor of my living room, listening 
top to bottom of the whole Wicked album. So by my 16th birthday, which was that next May 2004, uh, my mom got tickets for all of us, like me and my family. So like it was my sweet 16th birthday. That was my like... Uh, So you saw original cast. I saw that original cast. I saw Adina and Kristen and I had already, you know, all the songs were memorized. I was totally that audience member, like not singing along because that's a no, no, <laughs> that's a no, no, unless you're Elsa and frozen and let it go. And there's thousand <laughs> six year olds and you're like, I can't. Oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Wait, did you see it pre Tony awards too? Yeah. Ooh, that's oh, fun. Wow. That's really and then, fun. And then I saw it again my senior year of high school, I saw Megan Hilty and Shoshana Bean. So I got to see like fierce upon fierce. And so then after that, YouTube happened like my freshman year of college. And so I was just obsessed with like watching YouTube videos of Shoshana Bean and Eden Espinosa. And like all I would do was watch wicked videos on YouTube, like alone in my dorm room. Didn't we all? Yeah. <laughs> like, just living my life. And I had actually, do you remember like LimeWire mm-hmm. on Napster? Like you could get get like illegal bootlegs and so yeah. I had like illegal bootlegs of it just like living for <laughs> um so I definitely was like a total wicked nerd yeah and I think I just started kind of manifesting the idea like I, I knew I, I saw the show and I said I gotta play that role I gotta be Elphaba I mean I had been preparing for this since I got that wicked album you know yeah so then what was the audition process like? Because it happened pretty quickly after you finished school, correct? So yeah. So I finished school in 2010 and then I went, I did a couple tours and I went on the road. I went, I did Spamalot. I did the non-equity tour of Spamalot and that was so fun and did a couple other things before I moved to New York. And I moved to New York in October of 2011 with nothing. I could say two suitcases and a prayer. I moved to 52nd and 9th. Oh, okay. Oh yeah. But no, <laughs> no. <laughs> I moved to 52nd and 9th right above Lucky Burger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was subletting and my apartment was so tiny and um, it was a walk up and it had mice crawling all over the cor- um, counters, like infested. Oh my God. And I was like, it's this New York. And I remember like I had done like self submissions for things. And especially while I was on the road to spam, I was very, um, what's the word? You're eager. I was very eager. Uh, yes. And so when I was on the road to spam a lot, I would send in cover letters and my headshot and say, I'm moving to New York. And at this time, like, wow. And I self submitted for, I am, I'll, I'll never know how I got this audition. Never. I would probably ask somebody in Chelsea now, but now it's been 10 years. So, <laughs> but I had self-submitted for funny girl for like that. Remember that revival that was supposed to happen? Oh, oh with, yeah, uh, Lauren. Lauren. Yes. So I had self-submitted my stuff, like just sent in my stuff and they asked for a video. They asked me to submit a video to Chelsea and I did. And then they gave me feedback and I submitted another video. And I'm thinking that's when I somehow went into some kind of an alphabet stack. Yeah. But then when I moved to New York in October, I was like, I need to audition for everything. Telsey, even if I, I just need them to see me. Cause I didn't have an agent. I didn't. And so I was going in for like next to normal. I was going, I went in for like a couple just open calls, EPAs, like just being seen. Yeah. Yeah. And so three weeks after I moved to New York, I was called in for Wicked. Wow. For the Alphabet Understudy track. And I had, like, I talked to my roommate who I wasn't that close with at the time. Like, I just moved in with her. And we were, like, having a kiki one night, like, sitting on the couch. And I said to her, you know, 
I think my show is wicked. Like we're, and we were going back and forth. I wasn't trying to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were just going back and forth about what we think we're right for. And she said to me, and it wasn't mean, she wasn't being mean, but she said, you know, they have like lists upon lists of people. Mm-hmm. It would take you a long time to even be seen for that. Mm-hmm. Kind of like good luck. Yeah. And I was not, again, eager. Your beaver. I was in my head. I go, hmm, but they haven't seen me yet. Oh, I was like, okay, that doesn't discourage me. I just knew. I don't know. So I get the call from them directly from the casting office because I didn't have an agent again. And they called me and said, Hey, Caroline, we'd love to bring you in for Wicked um, for the Alpha Bunder study. And I was like, oh, Okay, I'd love to come in. <laughs> <laughs> And they sent me the alphabet packet. So I had um, one audition. I believe it was on a Wednesday. And they call you in really early in the morning. It's so weird. And I'm almost wondering if it's a test for, I mean, I don't know. Yeah other alphabos about what time they went in, but I'm like, nobody should be singing Defying Gravity at 10 a.m. Yeah. And so I would go to the gym I was at the gym by like 5 a.m. Oh my God. Again, eager, but also I knew in order to be able to sing those songs the way I want to at 10, I needed to have five hours. Like I needed to. Yeah. And then I did my first audition on that Wednesday and they called me back on the spot. Wow. wow. They just said in the room, they were like, we'd like to bring you back in tomorrow um, for more of the team. And I was like, okay. <laughs> cool. Feeling good. Feeling good. So. I went home, same material. I went home, went to bed and did the same thing. Got, got, got to the gym. I did all the material for whoever it was. Maybe they had a, like an associate come in and sure. more, add more people to the room. And then they called me later on on that Thursday and said, can you come in for a dance call? So it was all very fast. They were like a wow. replacement. Yeah. So Friday, I went in for a dance call and... I mean, now looking back, it was sort of clear to me because they were giving me all the notes. Like they were like, Caroline, can you fix that? Caroline, can you do that? Like they were really focused on me. Uh, uh. And so I finished that dance call and I left and I was just exhausted because I've been getting up at 5 a.m. every day for the past three days. And also like probably before that, my adrenaline's pumping, learning the material. And my mom happened to be in town. And this is when we get to the video. So my mom was in town. My mom's an actress as well. And she was in town for a commercial audition. So we were always going to meet up after my final callback. And she met me up and we were on Ninth Avenue walking up, trying to find a place to eat. And she was like, how'd it go? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm so tired. Like, you know, and, and I get a call from the office and I look down and it's 212 number. And I was like, mom, this is them. And... I answer the phone call and it's Telsey's office. And they were like, uh, Caroline, I'd like to offer you your Broadway debut. And I was standing on 45th and 9th and my mom had a flip cam. So not like we didn't have iPhone, like it was a flip cam. Yeah. She took it out and started filming me. And it was like, that was it. It was like that day, whatever, in October. Yeah. And so I moved to New York and three weeks later, I got a call that I was making my Broadway debut. Oh my God. It was nuts. It was nuts. But I guess in the grand scheme of things, I had been prepping for that. Yeah. 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 Sure. Years of preparation. <laughs> yeah. You manifested it. And it is like the ultimate case for eagerness. Like, like you're saying is it's like you were putting the work in for months and months leading up to it. And then you got there and it happened. I don't think you can ever be too 
eager is eager the word i guess like that it can people can look at that as like a negative thing negative, yeah you gotta really want this you gotta really really want it and you gotta see yourself and put yourself there and do the work and make it happen because i was like i'm gonna make this happen if nobody else like i don't have an agent and also nice for you you booked it without an agent so you didn't have to pay commission <laughs> You better save that extra 10%. <laughs> I didn't believe it. Yeah. And I moved out of my, my mice-ridden apartment. I was like, oh, I might be able to afford something else. <laughs> so when you came back as lead, was that an ask back or was it let's audition again? How does that work? So it was a little bit of both. Okay. So when I was, sorry, when I was leaving Wicked the first time, I was leaving for Kinky Boots. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to go in this original cast and like do this. And they were trying to get me to stay on. So they offered me the Elphabus standby on the tour. Um, and that was really hard for me to like turn down. I was like, oh my gosh, they're, they were trying to keep me in the family. And of course, and that's like so nice and like, yeah, I felt honored and stuff. And I was like, I still like stuck to my gut. And I was like, I'm going to go do this. Even though it's on another ensemble track, I was like, I'm going to go be in an original cast and like perform at the Tonys. Like, oh my gosh, yeah. on the album, like stuff like that. Like I was like, okay, I'm going to go do this, which was really hard for me because Wicked was my ultimate dream. And so sure. that was really hard for me to say, you know what? No, I'm going to, I'm going to go do this now. Did you think then that you were closing the door on Wicked Forever? Or did you have a feeling? No, I still had like, they were really sweet about it. And I had already put in my notice. And then they were just giving me an offer to see that if they could compete with it. And and that was really... Um, Must have felt good. Yeah. So a couple, I was doing the Avita tour. And I guess my name had come up as a contender, like an Alphaba replacement. And so my name was in like an email, I think an email, according to my manager, it was in an email chain. And then they don't do offers for Alphaba. Like they've, and that's what they were saying. They were like, we've never offered Alphabet to somebody. Interesting. I mean, that's, and that could be, it could have been a lie and it could have been, I'm not a big deal. Like it's like, so I'm, so I get it. Mm -hmm. It's a big endeavor. So I had to go in an audition, but like I showed up at Telsey and there was a wicked room and nobody else was in the casting office. So like, I was like, this is for me. Yeah. Hat, unless they separated us by an hour, right. there was no other Alphabas in the room. Interesting. The most intimidating room I've ever walked into. Oh my gosh. I walked in as Steven Schwartz is sitting right in the center of the room. Oh my God. Then Steven and Remus, who I've worked with a lot because I've done kinky boots with them, but like still. Then um, Joe Mantello. (laughs) 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 And then David Stone, all the producers. Um, Oh, wow. The music director, Brian Perry, like, is so intimidating. I mean, I was like, I'm going to vomit. Like, <laughs> you want me to sing Defying Gravity for you? And I'm like, <laughs> so I'm like, I start doing the scenes and I think it was the cub scene right before I'm Not That Girl. And Joe Mantello comes up to me after I finished the scene and puts his arm around me. He just whispered to me, he goes, I want you to relax a little bit. Out loud, I was like, okay, okay, I can do that. In my head, I'm like, how do you want me to yeah. <laughs> Clearly, I like had nervous energy, and I was like, right. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> I can't. I I don't know. I was like, I'll do my best, and so I like I probably did the scene like I just dialed it back a little bit, but I I don't know. It's probably not what he meant. But I was like, I don't. You relax. You try. You walk into yeah. the room with, like everybody in the world that you've looked forward to working with your entire life. 
So yes, I had to audition, but um, ultimately I must have done something in the room that said, yes, she can handle this. Yeah. Do you feel like doing Evita prepared you to do Alphaba full time? I think so. However, I do look back and I wish I took a little bit more time off between Evita. I only took a month and I had been on the road for a year and a half and I was like, I probably could have taken a little bit more time to like have a resting time before I dove into Elphaba, but then I wouldn't have had the cast I did. And I like Kara Lindsay's like my best friend and like yeah. Robin DeJesus was our Bach. Oh yeah. Single Decker. And like, it was just a good group of people. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Like I'm, I'm so grateful I got to do it with them. Um, Kathy Fitzgerald was our Madame Morrible. Who's like the Madame Morrible of all Madame Morrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was just like a stellar group that I'm so glad I got to do it with. But I was, I probably just for mental health and stuff, just to be more like ready. To use a rest. I feel like we've heard that from a couple different actresses at this point is like, everything was great. I'm so happy that I booked it when I did, but I wish that I had had more time off before I booked it. Mm-hmm. Because it's, there's, right. how do you prepare to start that journey. And also like nobody's like, you're not going to say no to Alphaba. Like, right. Maybe the second and third time you're asked to do it or something. <laughs> the first time, you know, you're just probably not going to say no. So like you figure it out, but yeah, it is like, you have to be ready. Cause it's, it's a big endeavor. Um, okay. So Caroline, as we said, we do want to talk to you about the wizard and I, Okay. but before we do, so we have this theory where any Alphaba is either a Wizard and I Alphaba, a Defying Gravity Alphaba, or a No Good Deed Alphaba. Sure. A, do you agree with that? And B, did you feel most at home in any one of those songs? A, do I agree with that? I, I think that's fun. I listened to your first episode. I thought that was I thought that was cool. I was waiting for you to get to me. <laughs> You're in the bowl. You're in the bowl. So with the Wizard and I and Defying Gravity and No Good Deed, I didn't really stray from the I'm a I'm a um, You're a score alphabet and people know that. I'm a classic. Like I stay, I'm like, I'm like, what was written was great. I love a score alphabet. It's like, I'm a planned riffer. Sure. I need to practice it in the shower five times before I do it. Then I'll test it. But I also don't believe in, I, I just... Unless it has meaning and intention, I just won't do it. I applaud people who can do it and like can do it in the moment and like be free and like go like live. But what I'm really passionate about is that battle cry at the end of Defying Gravity. It's a battle cry. She's like, ah, like if she wasn't singing it, she'd be screaming. She's mm-hmm. screaming off a mountain, like basically F you all. I'm breaking out. I, oof, I really want that always to be the ah. Like that's what I want, but okay. that, that's the only thing I'm really passionate about. I was going to say that kind of felt like you were leaning towards a defying gravity alphabet. Mm-hmm. What about, I'm not that girl alphabet. <laughs> that's a conversation. But I do feel like, I guess if I was going to choose one, I just think no good deed is like so powerful and I loved it and hated it. Like it was so hard and I feel like I could never like get my, where I wanted it to sit vocally. I could never do it because I couldn't get my breath under uh, me. However, I think that kind of worked. Yeah. 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 I, like I felt like I was going nuts and like my eyes were always really wide. I was like losing my mind literally. So yeah, maybe I'm a no good deed. I love that. And I, cause I can imagine when you're in your groove with no good deed, it's a lot of fun. I think when I sat back and like, was just doing like a a run through without like going full out, it's like, 
really fun to sing and like sick. Like it's like such a cool song and like she, but when she's losing her mind, it's really hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a really hard part. <laughs> okay, so moving into The Wizard and I, mm-hmm. I kind of had this thought where it's a very narrative style song. It almost feels like one of those songs that in theater school, they're like, okay, perform this as a monologue to help with your acting. Oh, 100%. So like, I'm interested as to what the rehearsal process was like for that song. Like, do they pick it apart? Or is it kind of at this point, you sing the song and you can figure out the acting? Your first in music rehearsal, obviously, like that's like the very first thing you do when you learn um, Alphaba. And so you're in a music rehearsal by yourself for like two hours straight, maybe longer. Mm-hmm. Wizard and I is also a long song yeah but they say cautious optimism that's how they want you to start the song interesting yeah that's like um one of the notes that i wrote down cautious optimism i mean even like structurally speaking i think the song is so fun because the show starts and you're introduced to glinda and it's like okay she's your narrator she's gonna take you through this story and then it's like and then you're like oh no she's mean like she was mean and and then it's like here's this new character let's try her on to be our like emotional journey through the show and so it it's a uphill battle i think for alphaba in terms of winning over the audience because two seconds ago she was just yelling at everybody you know what i mean it's a big ask that song well because alphaba enters very abrasively and then when the song starts the wall kind of comes down it feels like right and that's what's supposed to we're supposed to see like the excitement and alpha and the young and she's like yeah she's not this jaded character she's got hopes and dreams and she wants all these things but yeah it's like being shot out of a cannon though mm-hmm. that, I mean, that being the first thing you sing Ooh. you're like you better be ready you better have like not been like oh i'm not gonna warm up today yeah no 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 you better be ready because that's a big thing mm-hmm. i think the cautious optimism is like maybe making sure you're you're starting in this like excited but small place mm-hmm. like every every verse is like a step up from the next do you feel like vocally the song builds in a way that prepares you for the end or is the end still tricky yeah, i think it does i think i it's a good build i i really i think it's a beautifully written song it's long Oh my gosh. And something I always happened to me every time. And I think it's because they had me play. You, you have to look up and see your unlimited with what that is for you. So you have to look down to make sure you're not going to trip. And then you look up and always post nasal drip. Mm. Unlimited. Oh my goodness. So So then wait, I have a technical question about the wizard and I. Mm -hmm. Are you cueing the conductor with that last arm movement? Yeah, I think that's like ultimately this is the end of the song. Yeah. And the same with Defying Gravity, the Yes. You cue the You punch the air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's very like you have to make sure I got a lot of notes on that. But yeah, it's like a very distinct down and up. And then with the wizard and I, you really obviously they want it to be thrilling and hold it as long as you. Uh-huh. And often, and they want the vibrato in right at the end. So that's like, uh, and I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a definite cutoff. Yeah. It's a lot of power, though. <laughs> you get to conduct the show twice. <laughs> right, right. I didn't have that power playing Elsa, and she's also magical. And you were a singing voice for a troll in the actual Frozen movie? Yeah, isn't that cool? That's insane to me. Are there any other Broadway names who were trolls that we should know about? Yeah, well, all the girls, Annalie Ashford, um, all the women that were in Kinky Boots in the original cast. Oh. And the Book of Mormon cast at the time. Yeah. Stephen Aremus was our music director and he was to all the women, he was like, do you want to come be in this Disney movie? Like, and I was like, 
Okay. Like I really, he didn't say anything about it. And I was like, I had no idea what it was. I didn't know anything. And I thought maybe it was a Disney short. Like I thought like, Mm. Oh yeah, of course. Like why not? Yeah. Singing rocks. Cute. But we went into a studio and we recorded fixer upper with the book of Mormon cast and us. And, and I just learned the song. I just did what I was told. I really didn't like, I feel like early in my career, I just was like, yes, yes. I'll do whatever. Whatever. I didn't like speak up. I I probably should have raised my hand when they were offering solos. (laughs) I just didn't want to be, I just didn't want to, I don't know. I've gotten, better about knowing my worst of my advocating for yourself yeah so the movie came out and i was like i guess i should go see this i i was in it and we saw it and i was like this is like a big deal and then i was like getting residual checks (laughs) that's always nice are we still getting residual checks like i have to imagine frozen is yeah like especially around the holidays and like when frozen 2 came out Uh, it's not they're definitely not as big as they were when for sure i was like Okay. That's incredible. Caroline, where can people find you online on social media and such? My Instagram is Caroline Bowman five. And I don't really tweet a lot, but my Twitter is Caroline V Bowman. Oh, Caroline Bowman. Thank you so much. Oh, you're so welcome. I know I could just like hang out with you guys all day. (laughs) All right. Bye friends. Caroline, thank you. Bye. Caroline Bowman, thank you so much for joining us. I'm so glad that she was here. And I was so excited to talk about The Wizard and I, because as you know, Quincy, Mm -hmm. I am a a Glinda girl, but I think The Wizard and I is one of the most actable songs in contemporary musical theater. Wait, should that be on a t-shirt? I am a Glinda girl. (laughs) I am a Glinda girl. Do you remember the old t-shirts and the alphabet one said Defying Gravity and the Glinda one said Popular. Yeah. Anyway, I love The Wizard and I, so I was so excited to talk about that song. And mm-hmm. I know that you love Caroline Bowman, so I'm glad that we both, not that I don't, but I'm <laughs> glad that we both got to talk about something we love today. <laughs> I feel like this is a really special episode for the two of us. I think so. Quincy, you know what I love about The Wizard and I that we didn't talk about? Oh, what? I love that the and I becomes more important as the song goes on. Like it's really Elphaba centering herself in her own dreams because she starts off and it's like the wizard and I, and then it's like the wizard and I, and then by the end it's like, yeah, fuck the wizard. I'm the big exciting part of this partnership. Kevin, every episode without fail, you drop some analysis that makes me see the show in a new light. You're absolutely correct. You know that, though. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, but I loved talking to Caroline because I feel like something that she kind of put into focus for me was really how these women are just going to work. They're just clocking in, hoping they make it through those three big numbers Mm -hmm. and then going home at the end of the night. Mm -hmm. And I feel like our conversation with Caroline really focused the fact that like it is us. It is the fans. It is the culture surrounding the show that Mm -hmm. built these women up into being like famous stars stars, right like we we are creating the Mm -hmm. which is always a double-sided coin kind of because i know a lot of the alphabets also don't enjoy the nastiness of certain fans and like the my she's number one she's not culture of wicked and that has kind of turned into the culture of wicked with fans but i think on the other side of that there is like a really beautiful thing where the fan base of Wicked is unlike any other. Like, I can't even think of another show that... I was going to say Beetlejuice in a way, but not really. I think Beetlejuice felt very... Had a rabid fan base, but it felt um, different in vibe. Well, and even that, it's just like... 
I feel like the Wicked fan base is an established fan base. I also think it's like Wicked looked at through a gay man's lens is also really interesting to oh, me. I mean, if we're going to talk about this. Yeah, which I think is important to talk about. With, I mean, it's us. So, because I feel like Wicked defined a lot of gay men's childhood or younger years. Yeah, because it, here's this musical with this woman who is different than everybody else. Yeah. And then just like leans into it and becomes notorious because of those differences. I also think it's interesting that, I mean, I feel like pop culturally now, gay men really respond to a strong female character who doesn't give a fuck and is making themselves happy. Mm -hmm. And I feel like Alphaba very much is that. And I think that's very interesting to look at as well. Yeah. Oh, wicked. Oh, wicked. Oh, Caroline Bowman. Oh, Caroline Bowman. I thought it was actually super interesting that she said Evita was an easier thing than Alphaba. At one point in the, in the conversation, Caroline was saying, like, you can't let the show of Wicked warm you up. <laughs> Whereas Ava or Evita, you can kind of, like, do a regular warm up and then let Act 1 kind of build you to that, he supports you or he loves you. You know what I mean? Well, and she also brought up when she was when we were talking about belting, she was talking about how Alphaba is a very aggressive character and she feels and her Alphaba, at least she felt like that needed to be reflected in the way that she sings. Mm -hmm. And her Ava wasn't necessarily that. And I think that rings true because her Ava, when she's up there belting, it's more mixy of a belt. The character of Ava is so calculated. <laughs> and so that affords an actress who is playing her the chance to be like very specific with her vocal choices. Whereas in Wicked, it's like you got a belt and then you got a belt and then you got a belt. And it's only going to be exciting if the belt gets more dangerous as you go. <laughs> I'm just so excited to see what comes next in her career. I know. I, was, I kept thinking about that. Is She is young. And has been working. Right. And she was in Wicked young. Mm -hmm. I think when the show started, Alphaba was kind of like, oh yeah, once you've gotten your chops, then you become an Alphaba. Whereas now I feel like it's almost a jumping off point for people's careers. A thrilling interview, really. Uh, truly thrilling. She's so sweet. I know. Thank you again, Caroline. Yeah, thank you, Caroline. All right. I think it's time for Kevin's Glinda Corner. Woo! As you know, I'm trying to talk about the Glinda of each section that we're talking about. I love that you're doing that. I'm trying to create a journey for the Glinda girls who are listening. Obviously, Glinda is not in the wizard and I, but she does have the last book line where she's like, something is wrong. I didn't get my way. I need to lie down. So she says that. And so that's her contribution to the wizard and I, it gets a big laugh and it does kind of put the audience in like a good mood before they hear this song. Yeah. So I think that's important, but Galinda has a lot of like funny lines that are funny because they happen in that like one, two, three pattern. Uh, interesting. <laughs> Something is wrong. I didn't get my way. I need to go lie down. Or every time she's talking to Bach, it's like thick Bach, but look at over there. Like, it's always like clap, clap, clap. I think if Alphaba is our pinnacle contemporary leading lady, Glinda is really the example of traditional musical theater. Harkens back to that era. Yeah, which is probably why I like her so much and you like Alphaba so much. Yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And yet again, <laughs> you dropped some knowledge. <laughs> I'm afraid for the day where I like don't have something groundbreaking to say. <laughs> I'll have to talk about 
the very small but very large shoes of Kristen Chenoweth for a different. I've gotten that spiel from you, and I think that's worth talking about. All right, Kevin, thanks. That was a fantastic Glinda Corner. I guess at this point in the show, it's Glinda's Corner. Oh, thanks for listening, guys. Thank you so much. We will talk to you guys next week. I hope we have a new president next time we talk to you. Mm. (laughs) You've been listening to Sentimental Men. This episode was produced, edited, and hosted by Quincy Brown and Kevin Bianchi. Thanks to Julia DiMarzo for our thrillifying artwork. And thanks to you for tuning in. You can reach us at sentimentalmenpod at gmail.com or on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at sentmenpod. That's S-E-N-T-M-E-N-P-O-D. Till next time, I'm Quincy. And I'm Kevin. Shall we stop recording? Sure.